0: My girls last night, a little uh, inter, inter uh, not elementary, intermediate. Otherwise, why would he send his son Jesus to die for our sins? And we have to believe he's good if all these promises and all this awesome stuff that we read in the Bible is actually for me, right? But that actually brings us to the second one that we're going to be looking at this morning, and that is that the salvation creates a joyful identity. So, the reason I say that I want you to be ready is because I believe with all my heart that God wants to use the foundation of not only his goodness, but also our identity in relationship to that. I have uh, been in church a while, as some of you have, and over the years I've seen some Christians that get it, and I've seen some Christians that don't get it. And what I mean by that is there are Christians that actually look at the Bible and go, well, let's do that, <laughs> right? Right? And then there's other Christians that look at the Bible and they go, isn't that nice? I'm going to do my devotions for five minutes, and I'm going to do a little prayer, and then I'm going to go on and just do whatever the, for the rest of my day, you know? See, there, there's two ways of approaching Christianity, and one of the things I want to encourage us today is, is to say and look at the scriptures and say, that's actually true, and I'm going to align my life with that truth, with that identity, amen? Let me just, uh, one quick thing before we get started, uh, if you want to have... Uh, and experience this next weekend of equipping and training and learning some stuff, creation uh, creates a joyful identity, a joyful identity. There was a, a guy who goes into a psychiatrist, and he's totally confused about, about his life. He's just a mess. He goes into the psychiatrist. He says, Doc, you got to help me. doctor says, what? guy says, Doc, I can't figure it out. I'm a wigwam. I'm a teepee. I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee. The doctor looks at him and says, you're too tense. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, people, work with me now. (laughs) Okay. After the dedication of his baby brother in church, little Johnny cries all the way home in the backseat of the car. His father asked him, what was wrong? Finally, the boy sobbed. That pastor said he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home, and I want to stay with you guys. (laughs) Yeah, that's a groaner. But, you know, this stuff we're talking about, these core values and these identity issues, you know what? It's not just something you can talk about. We actually have to live it, amen? And one of the things that we're doing as a family and just my own stuff is You know, I don't want my kids to just hear about stuff. I want them to actually experience it, right? So that, like, when we talk about core values as a church, it actually lines up with what we're doing as a family. Amen? And I would just challenge you as parents, some of you are parents, some of you are grandparents, and just in your life, here's the thing. We want to be completely the same everywhere we are. Isn't that true? Right? See, sometimes this temptation in churches is that we are one thing at church and we're another thing other places right so this week we were out and uh, actually last night we were on our way to this little dance thing and we go to go to kentucky fried chicken and I, we love kentucky you guys ever have the kfc bowls i'm talking about oh my word it's my favorite thing right so we're in line and there's of course you know how you, you drive up and in your mind you're thinking i'm gonna go to the drive-thru I'll be the only one there. I'll drive straight up, get my food, boom, we're on the road. But how many of you know that life doesn't always work that way? Usually when I come to the drive through, there's like eight cars in front of me, right? And actually, we've been to KFC. I'm not kidding. We've been to KFC a couple times, and they've run out of chicken. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, right? So we're sitting there going, oh no, I don't want them to run out of chicken, gravy, mashed potatoes, or corn. I want it all in my little bowl, right? But you know how it is. Sometimes you get impatient when things aren't going your way, right? So we're sitting in line, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And then you really start getting, hey, we got to get to, you know, the dance. We were late to get there. And, and uh, the guy in front of me, I swear to you, he must have changed his order 18 times. I mean, the car sat there, and they're talking back and forth to the lady like, you know, I'm like, come on. So in my flesh, right, wants to rise up and forget that I'm a Christian and a pastor and any of this. I've just got, you know, all of a sudden it's like, come on, move it, you know. But I know I've got two little girls watching me. And I'm thinking, not only do I not want to be that angry uh, drive through guy, but I want to be that guy that has this identity and the patience and the love and all that stuff that is just with me all the time. Amen? So how many of you would raise your hand this morning and say, I want to be the same person, church, school, work, Drive through or on the road. Amen. See, that's one of my, my goals. This week, somebody pointed out something in my life that I didn't really know was going on. And I came to this thing in my life where I'm like, okay, I, the last thing I want to be is a hypocrite in any way. I want to be exactly the same and I want to be true. And of course, if things get pointed out in us, how many of you know that we then have a choice? So we can say, hey, I'm going to change that because I want to be something better. I want to be a, okay, I hate this, really, this teaching, but you hear it, I want to be a reflection of Christ, right? And I get what people are saying when they say that, but how many of you know we don't just reflect Christ? We actually have Christ in us. (laughs) So I'm not really reflecting anything. I'm actually oozing something, and what is coming out of me? What is my identity? What's inside of me that then comes out? Because it cannot be based on what we are experiencing in the world. How I many of you know you're not going to get joy with eight people in front of you in the drive-thru? Right? You're not going to get joy by, you know, people cutting you off in traffic or your boss or somebody at your work treating you poorly, right? That anything circumstantial is not going to do things for you. I mean it may. You may do something fun, go to a party or a dance or whatever. But that's fleeting, isn't it? Real joy comes from understanding who I really am, my identity. And so I want us to look at a couple things. This joyful identity uh, thing really struck my spirit this week. I want us to look at three things in in regard to this. The first one is this, identity. You see, who I am really determines how I live, doesn't it? What I am on the inside will eventually come out. <laughs> Have you ever experienced somebody and they talk a good talk, but then something goes wrong? How many of you know the real them then comes out? <laughs> right? And, of course, we're talking about other people, not ourselves. Right? Of course. Look around. <laughs> not me. <laughs> but, you know, it's true. Like, who I am on the inside will eventually come out in one way, shape, or form. Right? Right? It's the foundation of everything. And see, I would say this. I think there are a lot of people in the church world that have, they've gotten saved just enough so they don't go to hell, right? They're saved just enough so they, they go to heaven, right? But how many of you know that we're not just saved to go to heaven, but we're actually supposed to bring heaven to earth, right? Like, our mandate is not get to heaven. That's not our mandate. Our mandate is to bring heaven's kingdom to earth. Jesus said what? Go and tell them when you go and do miracles, when you walk and you get people saved. He says what? Tell them what? The kingdom of heaven is here. And then near. He uses both phrases. The kingdom of heaven is right here. See, I think we, we really lose something in scriptures if we live for the end. You know, just trying to make it through. I mentioned the whole idea of, I don't really um, <laughs> where I go again. I don't really believe in the rapture, because I don't think the rapture lines up with kingdom theology. See, my job isn't just to be able to get to heaven someday through the rapture or whatever. Really, my job is to bring heaven to earth. The kingdom is supposed to come here. And how can I be worried about here if I'm always worried about any moment I'm just going to be ripped out of here, you know? And what happens is you have a generation of people that are, you know, waiting to get ripped out. If I'm always worried about having to leave something quick, how many of you know I'm not going to invest in the things around me? Right? So again, you can believe what you want, and I'm just telling you my beliefs at this point. I believe that God wants us to bring heaven to earth. He said what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that we're supposed to invest in, in this earth and the kingdom. And the biggest way that we do that is figuring out who we are. Do I really believe this stuff? Do I really believe that I am not an orphan? That I'm not a victim? That I'm, that I'm a son and a daughter of the Most High God? That the king has made me a prince and a princess? That we're actually royalty? Uh, if you would love a, a book on this topic, there's a book by, uh, by Chris Valentin. I think we, uh, we haven't run out of copies. I, we had one. It has to do with uh, royalty. I forget the exact name, but it ha- I'm reading it right now, actually. And it has to do with uh, being royalty and being sons and daughters. And uh, I believe that if we can figure out who we are, it changes everything. Can I get an amen? So be it. <laughs> Identity. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, in the Passion Translation, it says, it says this. Actually, let's read this together out loud. It's on the screen if you can read that. Let's read it out loud together, shall we? It says this Galatians 2 20. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives, for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of Of this new life is no longer mine, for the Anointed One lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Now, you want a life verse? You could very easily make that one right there. Because the thing that the enemy always tries to do is what? Tell you who you aren't. See, if we're in Christ, this verse tells us what? That actual Christ lives in us. Not only the Messiah, the Son of God, but the creator of the universe, the one who was there when God spoke everything into order. It says, we, speaking of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And so here's this God that created everything and is ultimately powerful, and he lives in us. And it's almost as if we, instead of letting him dwell in like this rapturous kingdom inside of us, we put him in a little shack over on the side, (laughs) right? Folks, I am telling you, Christ lives through and in me. We're in union as one. (laughs) You know what? Take your hands. Go like this. You got Jesus and you got me. Now, do this. Just put them together. Okay? Now, hold on for dear life. Because that is the symbol of what Christ and I are. That is my identity. And if you're having trouble with it, then you can just go to pray right now because you got your hands all ready to go. <laughs> right? My identity. Salvation creates a joyful, identity. Jesus lives through me. We're in union. He dispenses his life into mine. Now how many of you know those are great, great statements? That is great, great truth. And I know for many people we believe that, but there's often times where we allow circumstances and things around us to to buffet that truth, and in some ways it dislodges us from our reality. And oftentimes we allow the lies to actually separate us from the truth of Christ in me. And again, we probably don't need too many examples in this area, but there are times where we go into difficult situations and it's hard to imagine that God could be involved in this thing that we're doing. <laughs> we, uh, Abbott's had a rough week this week after church last Sunday. Um, we, had a, we have that little white dog. Many of you knew Marmy, That Our little white dog got run over by a car just in our driveway. And it was involved with people we knew. And, and, and it, was, it was horrible. It was just horrible. And it was Jody's little dog that, you know, <laughs> these golden retrievers that we've had, you know, Boomer and Wrigley. Those are my dogs. They, they look to me. I'm number one. But this little white one, Jody was number one. And so this horrible experience, and the kids actually watched it happen, two of the little ones, and the vet and taking things, and I come up on the scene, and it's just people weeping, and kids are, I mean, it was horrible for everybody involved. You know, it's interesting, wasn't it? What did I preach last Sunday? God is good. How many of you know that when you come home to a scene, I was the last one on the scene, I had stopped to make an errand, so I drove up. My wife is laying on the ground next to the dead dog. The person that was a friend of ours that was involved with this was sitting there crying. My kids are pacing. My two kids are weeping in the house. My other... How many of you know that coming up on a scene like that, that doesn't feel very good? <laughs> Do you know what the number one lie the enemy tried to put into the Abbott family this week? God can't be good. Look what happened. And now I want you to know something like, when pets get into the Abbott house, it's like I have six kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some of you know what I'm talking about, cat and, uh, cat and dog people. You know, it's, there's just one of the family, and the family, member gets ripped out, and it's just horrible beyond belief. But do you realize that the loss of our pet and the sadness that we felt all week, it doesn't change who God is. See, we live in a fallen planet, a place that's broken, and bad things are going to happen. And one of the promises of heaven that when we do eventually get there, but see, I I think it actually can be one that we bring to earth, is he says he's going to wipe away all the tears, right? Do you realize that you can have joy in the midst of sorrow? That there is a supernatural thing because Christ lives in us. Yeah, we cried and we were sad, but it did not change the reality of who God is or the reality of who God is in me and in us, right? See, (laughs) you've heard the phrase where the rubber meets the road, right? See, we can go, hallelujah, praise the Lord, he's Christ in me and everything's good. You know, like when things are going good, whoop, whoop, you know. But when something really horrible happens, that's when I have to choose, don't I? I have to choose. And one of the things that our identity does is it creates, number two, the issue of agreement. What truth am I agreeing with? Right? Because identity, what the Scripture says, and there's a ton more, we won't be able to get into all of them today. But, see, I have to not only believe the truth, but I have to actually agree and walk in the truth. See, it's not enough just to have it up here. It's got to get into here and here and here and here. I have got to walk out the truth, regardless of how horrible the situations may be. Like, you may be in a situation right now where you, maybe you're struggling financially, or you've got a health issue, or whatever, all these different things. Folks, I am telling you, we have a choice to make. We have to come into agreement. I'm, take that back. You are in agreement with either the truth or the lie. There really isn't any middle ground on this. If you're not agreeing with the truth of God's Word... By default, you are agreeing with the lie of the enemy. It's true. Because our default really is not supernatural. You know what I'm saying? Like our default is the the overwhelming nature and natural supersedes the supernatural. We actually have to choose to move from natural to supernatural. We actually have to purpose in our hearts to do something. And we see it with Jesus and the disciples all the time, don't we? Like how often did they get it wrong? (laughs) <laughs> often enough to encourage me. That's all I'm going to say about that, right? Like I read them and I'm like, oh man, you know, what do we call them? The 12 knuckleheads sometimes around here, right? But Jesus, for three and a half years, kept teaching them, right? They're in the boat and they're freaking out and they've just seen Jesus feed 5,000 with a couple of fish and some loaves, right? And they get out in the storm and if you read the story, they don't get it at all, man. Jesus gets up and he... They're freaking out on the storm. He rebukes the storm, calms the waves, calms everything. And he says, he begins to talk to them, and they think he's talking about bread and fish. (laughs) But he's talking about something way bigger, right? And so we see constantly, time and again, where they're thinking natural, and he's thinking supernatural, right? They're thinking kingdom on earth, he's thinking kingdom of heaven coming to earth. And so there's a there's this thing called agreement. What am I agreeing with? If I don't purposely choose to turn and agree with the truth of God's word, then by default, I'm agreeing with the lies and the things of earth. Hmm. There's an old hymn some of you may know, and the words go, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, right? And then there's this line that says, And when you do that, it says, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of him. (laughs) Right? See, when we turn to Jesus and we say, You are my identity, you are my truth. I'm going to hang out with you more than I hang out with my TV. (laughs) I'm going to hang out with you more than I'm on Facebook or whatever else, you know, all these other things. Because when I turn to you and when I get my identity from you and I come into agreement with your word, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And we begin to come into agreement with who he is and what he's said. And it is vital. Because otherwise, how many of you know the enemy is going to tell you you're stupid and dumb and ugly? Oh, and a loser. And a failure. He's going to pound you with things, Right? guys remember the old joke, the guy goes into a psychiatrist, I'm sorry, he goes into the doctor, and the doctor, he says, uh, he says, my psychiatrist told me I was crazy, and I said I want a second opinion, and he said, okay, you're ugly too, (laughs) right, if we just listen to the things around us, they'll just keep telling us we're dumb and ugly, you know, and then we need more, and you're not enough this, See? you go back to that Galatians 2.20, if Christ is in me, how many of you know I'm enough? Amen? If Christ really is in me, I'm enough. I'm not just enough. I'm, I'm amazing. I'm flipping unbelievable, right? I am, I am a conqueror. We, we're going to get to that in a second. So we come into agreement. Dominion has to do with authority and agreeing with what God says, not what hell says, but what heaven says. And so, if what I'm reading in the Word doesn't line up with my current reality, then I have a choice to make. I get to choose the truth, or I get to live in a lie. So again, back to the Abbott house this week with the loss of our pet. (laughs) Man, there was a lot of tears. Like, we used up several boxes of Kleenexes at our house this week. I mean, it, was, it was bad. But you know what never shook me even one time? Was that God is good. Like, it, I'm not trying to brag or nothing, but in that horrible situation, I never once was able, like, even let the lie of God's not good or that this isn't going to somehow work for good. I never once let that lie in, not because I was, you know, duking it out with the lie, but because I had established myself and my identity and my agreement with the truth and the word of God. See, people say, you know, oh, I should read my Bible and oh, I should pray. You should. But not be, well, these guys too. You should too, not just that side over there. Like, you know, you should Not because it's some religious obligation or something. you got to punch the clock. Oh, i got to do my devotions. I'm a Christian. Do you realize that that is our connection with truth? (laughs) How many of you experience this? The more time you spend with your Father, with Jesus, your Savior, and your friend, the more time you spend with the Holy Spirit, it actually changes how you engage with your world. Have you noticed this? And all of a sudden, things that I didn't think I could do, I have the courage and the hope to do those things. Right? Here's a little test. If you feel like you would like to pray for people in public, but you don't, hang out with Jesus a little bit more. And I'm not saying that as like an obligation or anything like that. I'm saying you will be changed when you agree with the truth. When you come into agreement with your identity, a joyful identity, that actually makes a—there's a phrase I've used a lot over the years, but it's this. The choice I make makes me. Okay? See, the choice I make—do I choose to agree with the truth in the Word of God? Because if I do, that will actually make me something that I wasn't before. Right? Right? When I spend time in the Word and when I pray, you know, it actually makes me into something different. There's a picture that they had in the Gurney prayer room. That's where I go. Um, there was a picture and it was on the door going into the, to the inner sanctum, you know, the inner part of it. And it was a picture of a little kitty cat. Cute little kitty. And as you're walking through the door, it says, going into the prayer room. <laughs> and then... You go in and you pray. And then when you're going out on this side of the door, there's a picture of a lion. And it says, leaving the prayer room. (laughs) Right? And this idea that when we live our lives, we're just defenseless little kitties. (laughs) But when we step into agreement and we spend time with God, we say, Lord, I need you to change me from a kitty to a lion. And it's like a roaring lion. Right? I love that God is known as the Lion of Judah, Lion of the tribe of Judah. Right? That we get to become that Christ in me. I get to move from kitty cat to lion, amen? It's pretty good. So the last one is this. You want some help in figuring out your identity and coming into agreement? I will say that the best way to do that is through declaration. Declaration. (laughs) Have you noticed that book that some of you hold in your hand has some truth in it? Have you noticed this? (laughs) Have you noticed how many promises are in that thing? Just test yourself on this. go through and just read any book for any amount of time in the Bible, and you will run into declarations and promises. And do you realize that those are legal for you? I I watched this movie, The Case for Christ, uh, a couple days ago, and I really felt... Uh, I really felt good about it. And we're going to be watching it on Good Friday. And it's a great film just for Christians, but it's also great for any unbelieving friends or people that are wondering about Christ. This guy moves from an atheist to a, to a believer. Actually becomes a teaching pastor at Willow Creek eventually, and now he's, this totally, he's sold this book, A Case for Christ, I think 14 million copies around the world. And it's just amazing, right? But he starts out as an atheist journalist working for the Chicago Tribune. I mean, it's an amazing story. But it's interesting because his wife comes to Christ. I mean, they're atheists together, and they're raising their children, you know, as atheists. And somehow or another, I won't give away the story, but the wife becomes saved. And she starts to grow. And it messes up their marriage. Because they're not like-minded anymore. And so she begins, and I love it, several times in the movie, you see her with the word of God. And in Jeremiah, it says a promise. It says, I will give you, I will replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. And so in the movie, she declares this promise. She's sitting in her, in her little devotional chair in the morning, and she's got her Bible out, and she's just going, God, give my husband a new heart. Take away his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh. And she prayed it, and the marriage got worse. And she prayed it some more, and she declared it some more, and the marriage got worse, and pretty soon he's drinking and doing all kinds of stupid things, and he's, you know, anyway, it's a a great story, but she will not give up on the promise. She says, listen, my husband's getting a new heart. God's going to take his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh, and he's going to put his spirit in him, and I'm not You probably figured it out. He gets a new heart by the end of the movie. And it is an amazing journey. But you see what she did? She took the word of God and she said, hey, this is legal. I get this promise. I can take this word and declare it over my life. Uh, hmm. The best way to confront a lie is with a declaration of truth. And sometimes we need to declare the truth over and over and over again. If you want some great material on this, you can look up a guy named Steve Backlund. He's from Bethel. Um, his, it's ignitinghope.com. If you want to go there, he's got all this declaration stuff, and it's, it's powerful. But you see, uh, in Romans 8, 1, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is a, in the passion translation he says this so now the case is closed case for christ right so now the case is closed period there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with jesus the anointed one i love that phrase case closed when the judge says case closed and hits the gavel guess what there's no more case There's no more accusations. There's no more jury. There's no more witnesses. There's no more of that. If you're up before the judge and he says, case closed, it's over. And and Paul is making the point here to the Romans. He says, listen, if you're not walking in case closed, you're listening to the truth of of the untruth of the enemy, of the lies, the accusations. And he says, listen, there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined In life union with Jesus, the anointed one. One of the things I've learned over the years, and I actually do this a lot, I'll take a scripture that I find Paul or whoever or Jesus is is preaching and teaching to a group of people, and I turn it around, and I make it personal. And I actually begin to write down the scripture, only instead of we, I say I. Instead of us, I say me, right? Right? And I would encourage you with this. If you're struggling with accusation from the enemy, condemnation over your past or whatever, take this verse and turn it around and make it you. Now the case is closed in my life. There's no more accusing voice of condemnation against me because I'm joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. And I would encourage you, if you do this, if you begin to declare some things, and again, in the book uh, that we're going through, Kingdom Culture, uh, this uh, tomorrow with the women on Tuesday with the men and then on your own there are there's a ton of verses but if you would look up these verses there there is going to be some that apply to you that you say hey <laughs> I need this right now in my life and you take that scripture and you turn it around and you make it into a declaration you will win you will win you will win Identity, agree, and declare. Joseph Prince, some of you know him. He's an email, well, he's a great speaker, big pastor of a huge church in Asia, and, and uh, has written some awesome books that we really like. But I get his email devotional, a daily devotional from him uh, that's really encouraging. And, and just yesterday, I thought this was awesome, just yesterday it said this, If God's word says that we are more than conquerors through Christ, then we are. And uh, just to back up, the verse that he's using is uh, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And it says this, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can we just say that out loud? More than conquerors. (laughs) More than conquerors. Not just conquerors, more than conquerors. Amen. So he goes on, he says this, if God's word says that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, then we are. We are not going to become, we already are. We may be experiencing some failures or setbacks in life right now, but only good will come out of our situations because God says in all things, we are more than conquerors. We have the victory. We have the victory. You see, God has placed us in Christ Whom he has exalted to the highest place in the universe. We are not trying to get to victory ground. We are already on victory ground. We don't confess God's words to get victory. We confess his word because we already have the victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. He goes on to say this, The devil will try to steal our victory. Anybody ever had that experience? The devil will always try to steal our victory. He will come against us with lies and fears and cause us to be conscious of our failures, weaknesses, and symptoms in areas such as our health. But we are not trying to be healed. We are already healed because God's word declares that by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53. He says this, A sister in our church was seeing two psychiatrists. She had been under psychiatric care and medication for panic attacks for the, most, for the most part of her life. She said that when she started coming to church and learning about Jesus, the truth of God's word began to dawn on her. She started believing that victory over her condition was already hers and began confessing it. From then on, all her fears were removed and her panic attacks ceased. Today, she has a sound mind is free from all medication and knows that her life is greatly blessed through Jesus who loves her. My friend, the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior, you are born again and the new person inside of you is more than a conqueror. You are already on victory ground and you have victory over every challenging situation of your life. So as we close today, here's the deal. Do I really believe that? It's a struggle. Don't get me wrong. I I get it. But I also know this. I can't have it both ways. I can't believe the lie and the truth. I have to pick one. And declarations are going to help you get to that place. They're going to help you get to that place of victory. Identity, agreement, and declaration. Let me give you one last verse as we leave today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus talks about... Two different kinds of people. <laughs> How many of you when you're a little kid? You learned that song. The wise man built his house upon the rock. How many of you know the song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. I won't bless you with the rest of my musical talents to sing the second verse, but (laughs) the second verse says that the foolish man built his what? His house upon the sand. Now the same rains and the same floods came to both houses, but the house upon the sand went splat. So Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. (laughs) Can you say that with me? Acts on them. Truth requires action. He says, if you do that, you may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And he says, everyone who hears these words of mine. Now you can almost see him going, everyone who hears these words and puts them into action. (laughs) I've been blessing you guys a lot. I'm gonna do it this way. This house over here that was built on the rock, right? Truth. But then he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Again, the rains and the floods and the winds slammed against that house, and it fell. But look at what it says. And great was its fall. I will declare to you today that salvation actually brings a joyful identity when we choose to not only agree with it and act on it, but begin to declare it in our lives. To do something with it. So this morning I invite you to stand. (laughs) And I want to just make a few declarations. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it and then if you want to repeat after me. These are some things that God put in my spirit based on the word that we looked at even this week. Are you ready? I am a victor. I will stand firm and secure. I will live with unshakable confidence. I will prosper and excel in every season of my life. And my labor will be, will be productive and fruitful. Lift your hands. Lord, we come to you today as sons and daughters, as royal princes and princesses, that we are not orphans, we are adopted into your family. Father, I thank you today that we can come to you and we are standing here today with you actually in us. Your life, our union with you, your life with us creates a different us. And Father, this morning and this, this afternoon and this week, Father, we are moving on. You may just want to say that. Lord, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I am not going to stay the same. I am not going to be the same person I was last week. I am not going to believe the same lies that I believed last week. God, I move into my identity in you today. And I walk in that identity through my agreement and my declarations this week to come. Father, I thank you today that you have that truth and that power and that kingdom culture for us as we walk from this place. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen.